0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to In Star Trek We Trust, a Star Trek podcast. We are discussing the recent, I guess you could say, news dump for the past couple of months uh, since we haven't been here since about January. Blockbuster so news. Dumps. Blockbuster news. So, in case you have forgotten who I who we are, my name is Kevin, one of your hosts,
1: and I am the other host by the name of Ethan.
0: It's been since about early January, I think. Discovery's season finale is when we were last doing this. It's been nice to uh, have a break in the midst of all of this.
1: It has, but it's also nice to be back.
0: Back at the mic. Right. For now.
1: Especially the fact that... I do think we have some interesting things to discuss.
0: We do. So starting with that, uh, so obviously there's a bunch of news to discuss, but I would say one of the most fascinating tidbits of news is surrounding something that you pointed me to, which was Michael Chabon kind of pointing putting something out in rather great detail of yes. some really fascinating Romulan lore, which yes. you were extremely enthusiastic about.
1: Yes, I push this hard because here's the thing, right? Hmm. I find that the new stuff is interesting, but the new stuff is, is, you know, corporate press releases and things like that or people trying to get up um, interest in their projects. Whereas this is a writer kind of um, showing us behind the scenes a little bit of what goes into their craft, I feel.
0: It was really interesting to read it because what he gave us was some really hardcore romulan world building. and you'd th- it's really funny because you'd think after fifty God, how what do we at now fifty five years of trek that the romulan people were pretty well established and they're pretty established as adversaries. but when you get down to their society and who they are as a people like it never really dawned on me that much that there really isn't we don't really know that much
1: right I mean we've never really had a character on our side so to speak that was a Romulan I think that's the issue right. we learned a lot yeah. through Worf about Klingons right you would um,
0: occasionally we really got
1: that. you
0: would occasionally get a look from like you know whether they were a Romulan defector or just some some scenes of exposition between plotting Romulans, but even then, it really wasn't it really wasn't much. We just the biggest thing about the Romulans that we know of is that they, they use a cloaking device and they are extremely secretive. Mm-hmm. And you very have got secret- to see
1: their, their government workings a bit in um in the film, mm-hmm. and then also the the uh, unification.
0: But I would argue that in almost a full season, uh, Picard pretty much gives us the most expansive look at the Romulan society. I mean, we see the government and the politics from time to time throughout the Next Generation, but we never really got a look at the Romulan society. Who are these people? What do they do? Right? Mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The, 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 the another fascinating thing, I think, is that. What he wrote also aligned perfectly, or I didn't see any major issues with the few things that we have seen before of the Romulans. So nothing that happened when he we were on Romulus and unification didn't fit with this, right? In my view,
0: yeah, nothing because, was seemed nothing was retconned at all.
1: Yeah, and it wasn't also like I have this crazy new direction for the Romulans, so let's go, uh, you know, I'm gonna throw everything out the window and. So I
0: appreciated that. I will say some of the stuff they did do in Picard with when it came to the Romulans, like, fearing synthetic life, I mean, that to me felt like a little bit of a stretch only because it just seemed like, historically, like, it didn't, like, I don't know, like, you know, they, they knew who Data was and everything, but I, you never really got a sense of that prior that they had some problem with historic, with, um synthetic life and they were afraid of it and then it goes back to all these romulan myths and i was like this is all i mean it was new to me obviously but uh it just it, and i think maybe that's what it was because it was so new it just didn't feel like it fit right. right away but yeah, yeah i mean given how
1: secretive they are i don't think they would have let on if they were afraid of any of data or anything else yeah totally yeah so i guess also that's a nice little trick because anything that doesn't quite fit like well clearly they were just being secretive
0: Was there something that he wrote up that jumped out at you most? I think,
1: well, first off, just seeing behind the scenes of a writer, and I think we've been very um, vocal about the fact that we really appreciated the writing on Picard. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So I, I think just, you know, this is something that didn't have to be written for him to do his job.
0: Yeah. Because um, what we see well, to is to do kinda, his job well. Because what we see to. is kind of a, it's a show. It's like what you'd see in a show bible, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. Even written yeah. to a little bit more of a entertaining, it reads like a textbook entry, right? Um, let's see. So as far as things that are interesting here, for four names. I think one thing that was really neat is that. My understanding of the Coat Malat Mm -hmm. was now – it just put them in this different light because first you hear about absolute candor and you think, oh, yeah, right, because nobody tells the truth and that's an interesting thing. But after reading how secretive and how – it's almost the the culture and the laws of the land of Romulus are not to tell the truth. They are truly complete radicals and going against everything about Romulan culture.
0: I remember there was a moment in season one of Picard where, um, God, I'm already forgetting her name. Laris, Laris, the one, one of the Romulans, that, the Romulan woman that lives with Picard. I think it's when, it's when they reveal the, um, the Jatvash. And they talked about how, and she, her, I remember her exact line was like, because Picard's like, who are they? Like Romulan secret police. And one of them said, either her or the other guy said, like, you can put, with Romulans, you can put the word "secret" in front of on front of anything, mm. and I was wow. like, "Yeah, that's true. Actually, I never thought of that before, but it's true."
1: Yeah, and this, and that's clearly that's where that idea came from. Was from, yeah. from this, um, and it, it was also interesting too. It's like they said that this fundamental mistrust of outsiders um, has led the Romulans' depiction as isolationists into the long periods of silence and withdrawal from interstellar contact. Yep. also there's just a reason for the fact that the shows have disregarded them for long periods of time and then had them come back. is just uh, – it fits well, with their –
0: And that thing goals. you said about uh, not having interstellar contact, that even goes further back to what we saw on Enterprise because the original series establishes that prior to Balance of Terror, humans and Romulans never actually saw what each other looked like. Um, Even when they fought this long war. And Enterprise was leading up to that Romulan war because that's where they were in the timeline. And, of course, like I remember fans thinking at the time, like if they do go down the Romulan war route, how can they get around this? And I don't know if it gets enough credit, but I love the idea they did where it was that the Romulans were basically staying on their home planet and all the ships they were controlling were just automated from there. So they weren't even on these hmm. ships at all. Which yeah. I just thought was real, like, to me, that was just really, that was so, that was so cool. That was such a cool idea.
1: Yeah, that's nice. Because, um. yeah, there's a number of ways you could have gone. They could have wore, like, ceremonial yeah. masks or helmets or something
0: weird, but that was probably, But, yeah. and it wasn't just that, it wasn't just that they could control their ships from there, but these ships also had the ability to mimic the appearance of other ships.
1: Mm-hmm. So they were
0: able to use it to kind of, like, destabilize a region of space. All from their home planet and you wouldn't even know and I just loved the idea behind that I just thought that was really really that was just so cool
1: yes and I really love right so this is the thing where I feel why I find this is such an interesting piece of writing is that he um, sort of took a anthropologist like view where it's okay so they're secretive what in their evolutionary cultural evolution would make them like this and so he right. talks a bit about their planet when they first showed up there, because, of mm-hmm. course, they were split off. Right. And they say that um, the plants and animals, they, they can camouflage. So um, b- 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 animals and plants. That the Which first fits into what I just told you. you said Snakes cam- that look like flowering vines, flowers mm-hmm. like lizards, mammals that alter their coloration according to patterns in light falling on them. And then the warbirds that actually are birds that also can camouflage themselves. So,
0: yep. Um, brilliant. I really and I never that. really gave it much thought. Like, cause, you know, TrekMovie.com talks about this. And, you know, alongside it, they just, the line you were just talking about, you know, there's a screenshot of a Romulan warbird alongside it. And I never really took time to kind of look at the Romulan warbird to actually see the sort of bird like appearance of it and Hmm. because don't forget the Klingons have birds of prey too so these these but what I I think what's cool about that is that I think prior to Chabon writing all of this you have Romulan bird of prey a Romulan warbird you also have Romulan birds of prey Klingon birds of prey like I don't think that was done at the time with that in mind I just think it was done like because it just sounds cool and threatening (laughs) exactly right and there's nothing wrong with that but it's it's what he did, that's not something that exists. Nobody wrote that before to explain why they lean that way. And it's not even something I thought about because, again, I know that it's just, oh, a creator's writing up Bird of Prey. It just sounds like a threatening type of ship, right?
1: Yeah. you did And plus, you've done, as long as you've known Star Trek, you've known that they exist. So you had no reason right. to think about it.
0: Exactly. Um and it also makes me wonder, sort of, about the Klingons too, because the Klingons have that similar thing. I mean, they also have a bird of prey, they also have a cloaking device, right? Um, I mean, Romulans are more notorious for it, but yeah,
1: yeah, there's good, good stuff. Other um, things around their personal relationships and the four names, and that was that was fine, and that was referenced on Picard, right? Um their marriages are interesting and even their marriages have distrust in them where one person has to be a verifier that
0: well i think it, i don't know if i can't remember if you we went into this but i think the idea of distrust really makes sense to me when you consider the fact that they have people who have split off from the vulcans which to me just reeks of distrust
1: yes and the fact that why it would be so near impossible to get them to reunite is look at how much trust would be involved to reunite Mm -hmm. i just i think that you know
0: the romulans and the klingons are really star trek's two biggest most I would say you know longest villains longest lasting villains and probably their most popular ones right i think people think of the klingons first but then they think of the romulans I know the Borg's up there too, eventually, but like, well,
1: Klingon, they're just like, the like, laid out. I don't, I
0: would, if I never saw a right. Klingon
1: again, I'd be fine with it. You well talk less. about
0: like, you talk about like OG villains. I mean, it's the Klingons and the Romulans. And I've always found the Romulans to be extremely fascinating. And yeah. Very and I, I think compelling.
1: they've used the Klingons to death. They were the focus of nearly all the films, at least some degree, for the original right. um, cast films. So it makes more sense now to explore the one that's been less explored. Cause there's right.
0: more to do there. Yeah, totally. Um, I was a little surprised, to be honest with you, that Picard didn't really go into any of the Reman stuff, the Romulans and the Remans, like mentioning the Remans who we saw in Nemesis and did see a little bit on Enterprise. Um, right. Yeah. I wonder if they just let them
1: die because they're that would fit.
0: Yeah, I mean...
1: they wouldn't think to evacuate them. Why would they bother?
0: The implication was Remus was destroyed also. So I'd be curious to know yeah, what happened to them uh, if they still exist.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting, too, that in this they're never mentioned, if I'm not mistaken.
0: I don't think so. I don't even think they were mentioned on the series, yeah. either. Yeah. No.
1: Um, something else I wanted
0: to mention. Shinzon wasn't even mentioned, which surprised me.
1: Right. It didn't get into the um, into any of those myths either, but I think that I took this to mean that the myths, such as the ones that drive uh, the season of Picard, are kind of outside the mainstream.
0: Well, it's also... A little bit. Up until Picard, and even the original well, up until Picard, we, as I said, we own, the only, we never really saw Romulan society. We saw the Romulan military.
1: And the government a bit. on Government,
0: you know, in unification, Picard went to Romulus... And we did see like a what a soup store. <laughs> yeah, and I, we we saw a little bit of it on Deep Space Nine, but we but really we didn't know anything about the Romulans as people, right? Were they actually spiritual? Did they have rituals? Did they have beliefs? What, if so? What were they? Were they religious? They were always depicted as just militaristic, creeps really. Yeah. It was and so. It's it's interesting to me that, we, that he writes up this sort of treatment with all of this in mind. I don't know if that means we're going to see this in season two, but I feel like he's, you know, as you would with the show Bible, he's writing this up to say that if somebody wants to mention the Romulans, keep this in mind.
1: Yeah, I hope that they're taking this seriously in the... Yeah in the world of it. I, it, makes, what it makes me want to do. So there was this book put out um, for Game of Thrones and it was written like a textbook about all the different families and the history of the area. And I know George R.R. R. Martin was a, been heavily involved in making it, Yeah. Um, but it read like a textbook. And I think I would if if there were ever a Star Trek textbook explainer, I would like to see Michael Chabon write it.
0: Yeah. Like they've, they've written books like that over the years, but I'd like to see, but it's all like non—it's non-canonical.
1: Right? Yeah, and I guess it covers such a time period.
0: Whichever yeah. one you write, you couldn't really write one for everything. Well, you know what it is when you consider what they did with the first season of Picard, and this even maybe applies to the third season of Discovery. Like, I need a—you need to give me a state. You need to give us a, the, us the fans sort of like a state of the universe explainer before we the story begins. Like, you need to. If not to help the story, but just kind of to feed our own curiosity. I want to know, you know... Where yeah, whenever we go to a new now? time
1: period, we sort really of need to...
0: We need to get reoriented. Establish ourselves. Yeah, I mean, Next Generation didn't do that with the original series, but...
1: I was just about to say, it would be interesting to watch Next Generation just to see how they
0: handle that. They just, they did it over time. like Because because the thing was, like that wasn't the that kind of wasn't the man, the mission of the show. Picard was specifically centered on the aftermath of the destruction of Romulus. And I wanted to know kind of like with the burn, right? Like how, how far reaching was this supernova? Like what was the actual, like what were the far reaching effects of this whole thing? And (laughs) you know, if the show doesn't have to, if the show doesn't have time to explain it to me, that's okay. Okay. But if you could provide some sort of, like, canonical supplemental material, like, I think I had said this to you a long time ago, when the second Independence Day came out, right, the whole movie is not going to, Independence Day 2 is not going to spend the whole time explaining to you what happened after the first movie. So they set up this, like, interactive timeline on a site that explained all the major events, which, to me, I thought was cool.
1: Yeah. It means they put extra thought into it. As long as they tell you everything you need to know for the movie within the
0: movie. Because that's the kind of stuff that... Like, that stuff directly comes out of a, a show Bible. Like, they may be writing all that stuff out, but us, the viewers, don't get to see that.
1: Yes, so let us let us in a little bit.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: the other thing, right, so this also gives more context to the fact that, A, they were willing... To trust Picard to some degree, and then they had, then they felt that they had that trust betrayed. Yes, it says a lot because um, it was very much against their character to even trust him in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that makes sense. Partially, it also b- it explains to me why we didn't fully know what was going on, except for um, the military and the secret
0: groups. Yeah, the Tal Shiar and the Zhat Vash
1: yeah i think that yeah. sort of fits that that's all that we would see because who knows you know they may be off rebuilding the empire in some secret location somewhere see
0: what i was what i have been secretly hoping for is when we saw on discovery they the romulans and the vulcans had reunified in unification three um probably, I don't know, would you say it was our favorite episode of the season, if not one of? Um I know it's a span of like at that point, like eight hundred something years, right? But like when does that when do the seeds of that well they've already I mean they've been planted in Unification One and Two, but is I always thought to myself after that, like, is the Romulan supernova a major player in what eventually led to a major event and what eventually led to what we saw on discovery. You still have a massive gap of time until that happens, but is that just, a, is that another pillar in what it eventually got it to? Would,
1: it would stand to reason
0: Yeah, that they
1: would no longer be able to
0: stay so fiercely independent. And, and we saw that and we were, we loved it. We, we ate it up when they mentioned that the co Malat in discovery, we were like, Oh my God, the two shows are like interacting with each other now.
1: Yes, yeah. and in a way that works perfectly fine yes. for
0: me. Yeah, because I think, cause I definitely thought that I know they're sort of under the same umbrella. I know they're kind of under the same umbrella of Trek shows, but I'm not expecting them to reference each other. I mean, I'm sure they will abide by each other's rules because it's all under the same person. I was not expecting that to be a sort of a direct reference from one to the other. So that right. was kind of a nice surprise.
1: Yes, and didn't you get some behind the scenes that that was sort of an accident in that was it that um Byers was working on both shows something like that
0: i believe so yeah i don't think on discovery i don't think they um i think they just they decided to add that in because of what they were doing on picard as a way to kind of link the two shows together
1: And so this one actually was from about um, a month ago, but Chabon released some called "Some Notes on Free Cloud." We should also mention that these are all on his personal Medium yep. page. Yep. So for anyone that wants to check. Free out,
0: Cloud was an episode that we actually did not enjoy.
1: I didn't love it. Yeah. I really liked, but it wasn't Free Cloud the location's fault.
0: Oh right, yes.
1: But I did like French uh, French John Luke. Um, so (laughs) this one's much less interesting, obviously, since this is not, um, we, we didn't know free cloud until this season. Mm. Um, but some things that are a little bit interesting, it is, um, bordered by the Klingon and Romulan empires, or at least it was, it's on a bunch of trade routes and it's sort of just past the neutral zone. So it had this, um kind of no man's land of not having any empire empire laws applying to it. And it was also founded by, and I really like these terms, um, a group of earth descended anarcho existentialists from the planet Salentum. So anarcho existentialists seems like very uh, much do your own thing. Yeah. Attitude. And so it became – oh, they have Mm -hmm. crypto banks. So it it seems almost like the mid-20th century and maybe still so Switzerland where you could uh, hide your money Mm -hmm. and no one would ask any questions about where it came from.
0: I I, I believe that. totally believe that.
1: Yeah. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, And it just became, you know, standard sort of um, rogues and smugglers and – like, like, uh, like Tatooine,
0: you know? Well, and if you recall in that episode, there was a Quark's bar over there. And so when you mention, like, crypto banks, I could imagine Quark is hiding tons of money in those banks.
1: Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure that they are used, um, extensively by that species whose name escapes my brain from there. The Ferengi. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. Uh
1: Yeah, so it's just um, you know, it's just a neutral place, no laws, and that's all you really need to know from
0: me. I love if he put, the, I would love it if he put this all out like in a, again to your point, like a reference book or something like that.
1: Yeah, that would be very interesting. Um, but I hope he, and also I hope he keeps doing this as he mm-hmm. keeps writing for Star Trek. Right, a few of these a year would be great.
0: Yeah, oh, totally. I mean, it gives us a a rare insight into the behind the scenes working of these shows, the modern shows that we don't get a chance to see. Mm-hmm. So I would love to. I'd welcome more of that. And I, if you I, wrote
1: one for Free Cloud that shows up once, I'm sure there's one for the planet where um, um, Sung has his base in all these different places. So yeah, hopefully there'll be more coming.
0: The last bit of news on uh, the Picard front is so it's now they are now officially in production, filming season two, finally. Just all right. uh, yeah, so.
1: And that's L.A., right? That's L.A. Okay, yeah. Good. I'm sure um, Stewart probably has gotten his vaccine by now. So he did.
0: See. He actually posted it on Twitter when he got his vaccine. Oh, good. Yeah, he has a video of it. So the next bit of news, which was kind of a bit of a shocker to me. So um, actually, to kind of roll two news items into one. So CBS All Access in the U.S. has now become Paramount Plus, It's the rebrand is now uh, complete, so all of the new Star Trek material is on Paramount Plus, Plus. and going back a little further, we know now that the Star Trek films and the TV series are now under the same media conglomerate, so they are all under Paramount once again. So, what that means is it's possible we could get some more synergy between the TV franchises and the movie franchises. Such as, for example, you and I, I think, are kind of uh I don't know what we say scratching our heads when this news dropped, so a writer from season three of Discovery has been tapped to pen the next Star Trek movie
1: and a producer producer, yeah, yeah, same person, same person
0: so <clears throat> yeah, that's um considering our feelings on the season, we were like, mm, I don't know, but this writer did was attached to the last episode featuring Giorgio which was the two-part mirror universe episode which was fine on its own.
1: Yes, I think we I yeah. enjoyed it for what it was. It was not I would have rather seen something else for those two episodes, but yeah. judging it just as two episodes of entertainment, I enjoyed it fine.
0: I you know, and I just think that we loved Unification 3. Okay, we liked Picard quite a bit. Can you give Kirsten Beyer... A movie to write. Yeah, we,
1: I think we are, we're just big Christian buyers stands. Yeah,
0: it's very big. And I'm, by the way, I'm not trying to prematurely say, oh, this new writer's not going to do a good job. <laughs> right. It's just when. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna sound like a hater, so I'm not gonna do this. But uh, given how critical we were of season three, when I hear that it's somebody specifically from season three that doesn't really leave a good it's not Christian Bayer. Impression. That's not Christian Bayer. doesn't exactly leave a good impression on my mind. Um, so.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. But but a few things. Film is different than it's television. True. It's true. And I. I the, the thing that strikes me is just, is this because there's going to be some connection, I wonder, between the film when it's set in Discovery? Or, you know, yeah, I don't know. Like, we, we really don't know anything else.
0: We don't really know anything else. And... The Star Trek film franchise has had so many starts and stops over the last five years. I mean, it's been what are we in 2021 now? So it's almost been five years since Star Trek Beyond came out. So, yeah, I mean, this is a pretty. We are right now in a pretty significant gap between Star Trek films. Uh,
1: yeah, I'd say there's been at least four prod, four totally different. Film projects that were making the rumor rounds as being, you
0: know, in production or in pre-production. Yeah, I mean, you got to realize that the Kelvin timeline films were created simply because that was when the TV franchise and the movie franchises were separated and under different ownership. So Paramount decided to re—I mean, that wasn't the only reason. But Paramount rebooted the film franchise, um, which at the time was a really good idea. And I like that movie just fine. I love that. I, I love the 2009 film. But na- but I feel like, yeah, I mean, that that was kind of a response to the differing corporate ownerships now. And so now that everything is back under the same corporate umbrella... You know, nothing against the Kelvin timeline films, but if you're able to kind of go back to utilizing the characters and the actors and the timeline beforehand, I mean, I, look, I like the Kelvin films just fine, but I would not be upset if I didn't see that cast again. I actually think they should cross them over and do some weird thing.
1: Multiversal. Yeah. Um, my feeling is that I want to see one more because the, they got the first one was good, the second one wasn't that great, and the third one though was I think we both agree was their favorite.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's a bummer to have yeah. one that was so good and then well, have that be. I guess you can go on a high note, but wouldn't it be great if they continue that trajectory of more Star Trekky?
0: I would say that I would say that um, if you're gonna do another Kelvin film and say like, I would say give them a proper send off. Make yeah, it the last one. Do it like one. they
1: did with the original right. crew. It's like the last time.
0: But also don't forget too, like this season of Discovery, Kovic mentions the events of, you know, Picard has mentions the some of the events of that led up to the 2009 film. Kovitch and you know David Cronenberg's character mentions the the Romulan mining ship. So the univ, the prime universe is aware of the events of that one. So I like the idea of maybe having them crossover.
1: Yeah. Here's the thing. I could not imagine. I I hope someone's brave enough to do it, but I could not see of the making a film and using the streaming shows, actors, you know, like, yeah i just it do you know what i mean it doesn't seem like something that a studio would do it'd be very brave to have say um pike right have yeah. a film pike focused film and then if it crosses over or doesn't are you it saying
0: just, like, Seems like those days are long gone so but marvel doesn't do that hasn't no. done that no okay
1: no they i mean i guess agents of shield would somewhat
0: kind of sort of yeah
1: But it wouldn't draw... Yeah, they wouldn't take... They went vice versa, if anything. But they couldn't afford the actors, so it was more like they would reference things. There might have been one actor crossover. I'm not totally sure on that one. But I know that it was more the other way around, where the show was the offshoot of the films rather than...
0: I did like the idea in those, like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like, specifically in the first season. Like, you would sometimes see the aftermath of events that happened in the film. Like, you got to see what happened after, like, Thor and Dark World, right? They go... I liked the TV shows kind of picking up the threads, or just at least revisiting some stuff from the movies. So I'm not not saying you can't have,
1: but you can't have a you know million dollar blockbuster film that simply Mm. reflects the happenings on a streaming show.
0: And I mean, you could argue, you could argue that having Worf appear in like Deep in a First Contact and Insurrection making his crossover appearance from Deep Space Nine. I mean, I know he was part of that crew originally, but nevertheless, you had Captain Janeway as Admiral Janeway appear in Nemesis, albeit briefly. Mm-hmm. Janeway was not ob- obviously integral to the plot, and The Next Generation is where Worf began, so it would, you know, yes, he has to be there. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know to what scale. I don't know to what level, right? But... Um, yeah, and I mean, they don't even have to do it at all. I'm just saying that maybe it's something yeah, they could consider. About. But um, I, I personally think they might kind of do another reboot. They might do some. they might try to strike ground and do some break ground and do something else in a different direction. Another but,
1: reboot of Kirk and Spock or another reboot of just Star Trek in general?
0: I feel like what they might. Mu- I don't think Kirk and Spock. I just think no, that you know maybe it's maybe it's like original characters this time, right? Or something. I don't know.
1: Now, how would you feel if they did a reboot and they kept Ethan Peck?
0: Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I I so. <sighs> I think Ethan Peck plays a great Vulcan.
1: Not necessarily Spock.
0: I, I I'm not. I have to. You know, obviously I've got to wait until Strange New Worlds. I, I just I wasn't. There was something. There was something about the beard that I'm just like. I know he's Spock, but he doesn't look like Spock because he's just not the <laughs> Spock I'm supposed to know. So it's like, you know, I think it's something like his. Vo- I just think his voice is just way too deep. It's, it's way too deep. Like Spock's voice is not that deep, you know. <laughs> I think I think that's what's yeah. throwing at me. But he, again, he plays a fantastic Vulcan. Yeah. He's yeah. really good at playing a Vulcan. I'm just Yeah. You
1: know, have
0: I, him, have keep Zachary Quinto, have Ethan Peck appear and make him be Cybok.
1: <laughs> I know Quinto was quite good. Yeah. The the thing I think though that, that we definitely won't see and I think it was a, sort of an accident that it happened in the first place and it was surprising that they continued it. Mm. But the idea of you know, you have a TV show, and then the TV show ends, and then you those ca- that crew goes to films.
0: Right.
1: I, I think those days are definitely over. Yeah, because I, I remember thinking controversial, that's not a controversial take. I don't think.
0: I remember thinking back in the day that was going to be the case with all of the Trek shows. Mm-hmm. Right. Deep Next Deep generation will get a couple films, then Deep Space Nine will, and then sure, they thought it. it too. Yeah. The actors. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. um, I'm also so. I think that they should really, when it comes to making this movie, consider just leveraging the streaming platform. Because I, I don't know if, like, I kind of don't know if I think Trek needs to be in the movie theaters anymore.
1: I don't know if anything needs to be in the
0: movie theaters. Well, anymore. right, exactly. <laughs> But I the, that's, that's not what, why I'm saying it, but that's yeah. what
1: the country and that's what the film studios are grappling I think, with right
0: now. I think it's because Trek has, and I've, I've said this many times, and I, this is not an original thought for me, but you know, Trek has to appeal to a mainstream audience, and I think the only way you do that successfully is you strip away some of the very specific things that make Trek. Trek. They have. There have been some successes right like you can say first contact and the wrath of Khan, and they're they are great movies but for the day they came out they were still action movies
1: and and i think beyond is a
0: success right well you have at least a little bit of the
1: the truckness to it right so yeah so i think it is in order to make a i'm sure we've discussed it before if they want to make a billion Mm dollars
0: then
1: yes you're absolutely right they have to strip away um much of the things that we love about Trek.
0: The Measure of a Man will not be a film, right? What a good film it would be. Of course, but they would not, and and I don't even think, I, I wish Paramount would try to stop forcing Trek to being a billion dollar franchise, right? I love Star Trek to death. I will be the first to say, I don't, it's not, there's never going to be a Trek film that'll make a billion dollars. It'll, in my opinion, it'll just never happen.
1: Right. The part of the 2009 was the best they'll do ever.
0: Right. Well, Into Darkness made a little, made more. Actually, is okay. the most. Because um, it took
1: the goodwill of the first
0: one. And. But the first it one. <laughs> pushed it down the toilet. Well, you know, because the, the first one was pretty. I mean, there was a lot of hype surrounding it, right? But I think it ended up just being a bigger success than everybody thought. Like, oh my God, like this is actually, you know pretty fantastic pretty fantastic movie and i knew and i knew a fair amount of people that back then who were not star trek fans at all and they were like i need to see this movie it just looked and and i went with them and they had they had the best time now did it bring them on board as fans no but that's i mean still they enjoyed the movie yeah. Quite a bit. And, and when the next one came out, they probably thought,
1: oh, yeah, I like the last one. I'll
0: check this out. Well, I think the problem was is that they they waited too long. They didn't I, – I, I've always said that I think that with that first one anyway, they were they really had the potential. Because it was merchandising too, if you probably recall. Like they were really mm-hmm. going all out with it.
1: I think I still have the old Spock
0: figure somewhere. And – They didn't, in my opinion, strike when the iron was hot. They needed to get the next one out as soon as possible, and they waited four years. I think within that four-year period, the thrill Mm. just began to... And also think about this. Within that four years, the MCU really took hold, right? And it just... I mean, Into Darkness actually knocked Iron Man 3 out of the number one spot, but... Think about when it the first one, when the first one came out, when the first Star Trek film came out in two thousand nine. I mean, what did you have? You had the Incredible Hulk and I think Iron Man, and that was like it, right? That that was what the MCU was back then.
1: Oh right, right.
0: Yeah. Thor and Captain America was still like two years was still about two years away, and the Avengers right. was still three years away. Yeah. So. So they um, had
1: taken off completely and sucked all the oxygen out of the blockbuster. It's
0: I yeah, like I, think, I think I think. Had I think if they had managed to get that film out maybe two years after, then, you
1: know. Yeah, and it, 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 yeah, and if it was a better film, but I don't know how. That's I don't too. know how much the average viewer didn't like it though. I mean, you know, like you said, the casual viewer, the people that you went with who didn't really like Star Trek, I, I, maybe they enjoyed it fine. I'm not sure. Yeah. But. But anyway, I, yeah. what I, I would like to see something bold in the new direction, something interesting. Mm-hmm. Um the ideas, I, you know, we heard the ideas of, um, um, who makes Fargo, Julia?
0: Oh, Noah Hawley?
1: Uh, Noah Hawley, thank you. Yeah. Noah Hawley of Legion and, and um, yeah, so right, so his idea was interesting. Remember when he said something about how, uh, and, and again, these are one of the things where they start to leak things because they want their project to go. Right, right. And we're going to talk about another one in a little bit, but he'd kind of said that it was going to be you know surprising right. and yes thank you yeah. Yeah. and you really have to have it be surprising I think if you just go for a, a standard trek type adventure it's a ship and what just the bad people and you gotta take them out with the ship I don't know <laughs> I can't see that working it just it seems like too much of what we've had already
0: I'll tell you what I would watch I would gladly go into the theater and watch a 90-minute Lower Decks film.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, how easy would that be to make? Oh, totally. Right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's another thing is that, you know, I've talked a lot about how I hope that Joker will change these blockbuster franchise films and showing that you can make one for less money and then the expectations are lower but the thing is when you're in space i think automatically the price has to be at a certain point because it's
0: expensive i said one time that like from the kelvin films carl urban is so good at playing mccoy like i would totally go and watch the shit out of like a solo I, no pun intended like a, a, a dr mccoy <laughs> a dr mccoy movie starring carl urban
1: right yeah. you know since seeing the boys and seeing carl urban
0: in that i think he's just good
1: in everything yeah like really good in everything yeah i
0: mean i don't i, I don't see like that would be that to me would be cool like i i because i because what is it right like do you want to see i don't think it's about like wanting to see spaceships and space battles. You just you just want a movie that takes place in that world.
1: Yeah, right? but if you have to see spaceships. Of
0: course. That's right. the
1: thing.
0: Yeah. Um, and Carl Urban's a leading man. I mean, he's he's a see, great this actor. Is,
1: this is my issue, is that, yes, I like Carl Urban. I also like Chris Pine. I also like yeah, Zachary yeah, Quinto. Yeah. I also like, I uh, you know, everybody, really. So I would like to see them again. I will uh, say, though, I would Louis love Solana. it
0: if, you know, we were talking about do they do one more movie with them, and then it's like the, uh, you know, it's their send off. Like, even though it would only be their fourth film, I would love to see like a Star Trek six equivalent. Like it's them. Like it's just them, like maybe retiring or something like that, and just yeah, Admiral Admiral um, Kirk. Yeah, because that I mean that was and by the way that was a thread in Star Trek Beyond. He was going to take the admirals the admiralty and then he decided not to. Yeah. But, I mean. What you what you could do, and I'll just, I just want to mention this before we move on to the next thing, because I know we're taking a lot of time. If you go back and listen to the Kirk's final log entry in Star Trek VI: The Undiscovered Country, you know the next film after the, the next film after that, of course, was Generations, which was the next the next gen's first film. But in Kirk's final log entry, he alludes to the next generation cast, right? He says, you know, they will continue the voyage we've begun, and then he even says boldly, going where no man where no one, which is Next Generation's version of that, Mm -hmm. so it's a clear setup for the Next Gen films, right? You know, can you use the Kelvin films, if they were to make this the last one, somehow setting up the cast for a film beyond that one, right? Do you use that as a... I don't know. Do you introduce a new cast in this movie and then sort of hand it off to them? As long
1: as it was a new cast and not the...
0: And they didn't try to do a
1: generation style.
0: Do so they do a next generation Kelvin film? Do or a reboot?
1: generation style where it's like, yeah. you know, through a weird dimensional whatever,
0: Kirk was I mean, in a log cabin. Would you do that? Would you, I mean, what if they decided to reboot the next generation as a film franchise and have it take
1: place? Oh, I think the... that would be cool. Yeah. And I, but you'd have to get Tom Hardy to play
0: yeah. Picard. <laughs> I mean, it would be strange because you'd also have Picard going simultaneously on streaming. But... I would want
1: to see Tom Hardy. That would be really, really fun.
0: Yeah. And he's quite good, but... Um, give me my Robert April film. I mean, you joked la- a few years ago about doing a Captain Pike movie, which I thought was absurd, true. and look where we are now. Give me my yeah. April... Now f- <laughs> give me a Robert April film.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, they have a, I think they have a challenging task ahead of them, the, the owners and controllers of Star Trek. Yeah. To make this work.
0: It's a task I would like to have, though, because I'm a fan. I'd like to figure that out.
1: Yeah. It's a lot of room
0: to lose a lot of money. <laughs> True. But yes, True. it would be very fun to try. Um, the next news item. So I don't, you and I, I don't think we discussed this. Are you aware of the Voyager documentary being done by the same people who did the DS9 documentary?
1: Not at all. This is the first I've heard of it.
0: Yeah. There's a Voyager documentary coming now.
1: Okay.
0: Which I have donated to.
1: Well, well, very nice. Thank you for uh, on behalf of all of us. You
0: friends. can still donate if you want to. Okay.
1: Right. We'll, put the, we'll put a link to that in the show notes.
0: But they, uh, I mean, they've already surpassed their goal because.
1: Yeah, well, 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 here's the thing: the right, Deep so. Space Nine documentary was so good. How could you not?
0: Support right.
1: Support it. That's I don't.
0: The thing is, I don't. I don't yet know. I don't think we know yet what the sort of angle is. I mean. Part of the d s nine one was that they wanted to kind of show what a season eight would have been like like that was once i i don't but I don't know yet what
1: which I think was the most fascinating part of the documentary,
0: yeah, yeah, whereas Voyager got its
1: proper closing, so we don't really need that,
0: yeah, so I don't know what the kind of um you know a- narrative behind it all is. I hope that it leads to an enterprise documentary,
1: oh yeah, yeah. And then maybe finally we'll see T'Pol again. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know if she would even do that.
0: Yeah. Uh, so right now they're just calling it the Voyager documentary. I don't know if it's going to have an actual name, but um, yeah. So they've got a Kickstarter. They've, as I said, more than surpassable. What I, one of the things they're doing that I like is that they are actually going to do what DS9 did and actually take clips from the show and convert them to high def.
1: Nice. That, so, that was another one of the most interesting parts.
0: Which, can I just say, now that, going back to the corporate merger for a second, Viacom, which is the company, which is the conglomerate that has owns all of this now, uh-huh. like billions and billions and billions of dollars, okay, you can take DS9 and Voyager and remaster them in high def now. You yeah, have the, I mean, I still think CBS like could have done it They like money anyway.
1: away, though. They are a corporation, so they got to see a return in it
0: somehow. Well, I think they can. I just think, like, don't give it such an absurd price point. I think that was the problem with Next Gen. It was just so, so expensive to buy it.
1: Yeah. Now the things are streaming, I don't know. It's, that's tough.
0: That's really tough.
1: Yeah. Because nobody's going to buy it. I mean, not nobody. You're going to buy it.
0: Other people are going to buy it, especially Star I would Train. buy it, but I think you, you raise a good point. Like, I mean, put it on streaming. Right. People and is there anyone just saying,
1: listen. is there an outcry right now that what's available on streaming is not
0: good enough? Well, I mean, there's always been an outcry for DS9, specifically DS9, uh, to be upscaled to high definition. It's come up many, many times over the last 10 years. So, yeah. Um, you know, they talk about the challenges of doing it, but those challenges existed uh, with next gen, And they And one one
1: something. would have to assume that the challenges are being lessened each year as the technology progresses.
0: Yeah, I think I think what would probably happen is they would probably use AI technology at some point to right. to upscale it. So I don't think but it would be a I, true remaster, but yeah. I do think
1: that the Deep Space Nine documentary also did a great job at explaining to us what goes into it. Mm-hmm and how you kind of actually need the director involved because there are all these decisions that need to be remade yep. to have it match up. And if you just do it, and there's, there's actually there's been a lot said about the um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer um, hd and how terrible it is because mm. I think they did use AI. And like things being, right, isn't this here, Julia? Things being cut off in the Buffy and... Oh, okay. Yeah, so with, like, characters being cut off and colors just being totally washed out. And you could tell they just, like, they just ran it through, like, a render. And said, all right, we're done. Just put it out. They didn't even proof watch it.
0: I think with Trek you'd at least have that. You'd have the consultants. You'd have Michael and Denise Okuda. And, again, like, on DS9, the director saying, well, that was actually, you know, this color. Because, you know, it's like when you colorize, like, a black and white show. Like, you need... Some consultant yeah. there to say, no, Lucy's hair was actually more this color than, you know.
1: That's even worse and harder. Yeah. Because For, you got to pick up everything.
0: Right. Yeah, totally. Whereas so, this, you
1: just got to make sure that it has the right coloring and like lighting, because all the lighting would change. Yeah, all that. Yeah. So I hope. I, I, and also, I think. I don't think Viacom. Viacom's not what it once was. What was it? Well, remember. Like, how relevant is MTV now?
0: Relevant enough to be on Paramount Plus, I guess. But no, I, uh, I, 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 think I, I just know just, you mean.
1: Yeah, that's all they yeah. have. Yeah. Um, I think MTV now is a like a website of journalism.
0: on. Music. Well, they they own a lot. Like, it isn't just like television and film. Like, there's a lot of other things in that too. Like, it's, it's a pretty massive portfolio in all honesty. Okay. Um, okay. But... The other thing was we finally got a cast photo of the cast of Star Trek Prodigy, which um, was cute. I mean, it looks like uh, they're trying to they going for that sort of Star Warsy Guardians of the Galaxy look to it.
1: It's such a Star Wars looking crew, yeah. uh, you know, and I don't mind that.
0: Well, this isn't this is trying to apply to to kids right like this is going on nickelodeon it's trying to it's trying to appeal to yeah much younger a bunch viewers,
1: of humanoids so. all wearing the same yeah uniform yeah. is not very appealing
0: to the young people right. I don't. yeah and i mean i don't really have too many thoughts on that show right now because we don't really know anything supposedly it's going to debut this year i actually keep forgetting about it me too because um, like i
1: said there's a chance it's not for us
0: but I'm still going to check it out. I mean, but I was doing the same thing with lower decks. Like, oh, yeah, lower decks. Like, I haven't seen anything yet, so I will, like, give a shit when I see something, I guess. But, yeah.
1: Yeah. And, wow, the, I swear, those pants on the one character with sort of the faux hawk, mm. those are, I swear, like, they took those off of Hera from Rebels and put them on. They, this guy,
0: auspiciously left out. Captain Janeway, because she yes. is gonna be on that show. But Unless Mul- she's
1: that like ice
0: that ice thing on the ground. No, Kate Mulgrew actually came out and said we purposely left her out because we don't want all the attention to be focused on Captain Janeway. Because no. she knows that's what would happen.
1: Yeah. I was hoping maybe her brain had been placed inside of that droid that's a kind of a ball with legs.
0: Yeah. That would be fun too. Yeah. Um Yeah, I mean again, looking forward to it. I, I I'm open to it. Does that the- one
1: character have
0: like, Star Wars-like tendril things coming out of her head? I think so. Okay, just checking. I think so. The little blob I'm curious about.
1: Yep. Looks like... I mean, it, it's fun that they're really playing up, since it is animated, right? Why not? The alien yeah. aspect of Star Trek, well, which we've always said, and I think many people have, is that it doesn't get used enough.
0: And here's the other thing, right? And I think you'll agree with this. you got to expand the audience of the franchise, yeah. So you gotta do you gotta do things like this. You gotta try to get kids, potentially, liking yeah, the franchise, right? I mean, I don't. It's okay.
1: A joke about it looking Star Trek, Star Wars like, but you know, I'm sure it's not gonna be Star Wars like.
0: Yeah, I mean, if they pull out a lightsaber, then we got a problem.
1: Yeah, it almost looks like though that lighting, um, thing looks like it could be a lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> that's the. Uh, you, but think, yeah, you think I they're mean, banking no.
0: on kids being? You think they're banking on kids confusing both franchises?
1: I don't think so. I don't yeah. think so. I do think that um, Star Wars has great design, so if you're gonna rip something off, good good choice. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: or be inspired by. Sorry.
0: My other news item, uh, this dropped the other day, so we finally got a look, albeit not in makeup, but we finally got a look at the other cast members being added to Strange New Worlds. Yes. Which is now in production as well. Yes. So there isn't really anything to go on. Really, but no. Looks like a fairly young cast, though.
1: Yeah, yeah. We saw no. As you, as to your point, we did not see the doctor.
0: No, we didn't. I'm curious about what the what the deal is with Doctor Boyce. If we'll even see him, I mean, I think the show should at least acknowledge him, even if he isn't there to say like, oh, he retired or something like that.
1: Put an old person in there, not. I know. So this is. I'm sure this is as I grow older, but. Mm. Not every show has to be young, attractive people only. Right. Um put some you know. Uh to my point, um Bones, the original Bones, he was not a not pleasant on the eyes. You know? <laughs> wow. <laughs> He's a weird looking dude, and God bless him, God rest his uh his soul, but we're so sorry, D. Kelly. <laughs>
0: God, rest his the soul. Wow, okay. He's got
1: that kind of like Steve Buscemi bug eyes. He's not a good looking man, but, you know, that's right, all right, because not only beautiful people get to go to space. Right. And they have some uggos out there, too. Oh, my
0: God. I, yeah, I get you. I get you. <laughs> Cronenberg's out there, albeit recurring. Yeah. I get you, though. So, like, I, I know what you mean.
1: Yeah. Yeah which is why but the, the, and you have this great opportunity have the doctor who we already know there's a yeah. perfect get an old uggo on there
0: <laughs> so yeah the show strange new worlds is filming now and obviously we don't yet have a word on the release date i'm i'm predicting that maybe around comic-con time i think they'll be pretty much wrapped up with filming so we could maybe get an info drop there get a trailer unless unless if they're really smart and do a star trek day type of deal again and use that as their sort of day to drop new announcements as sort of like their own personal star trek comic-con um i i don't know if we'll so because i'm trying to think about what the next what the order is here you know discovery season four was filming first Well, actually, Lower Decks was in production first, then Discovery. That would make
1: the most sense that that would be out because it's a cartoon. Go faster,
0: and they started first. I suspect that we will see Lower Decks Season 2 sometime this year, followed up by Discovery. And then I think... How um, do you feel about that? What? Discovery?
1: Yeah, like doing another season of... Just for the podcast's sake. Having to do another season of Discovery before doing... <laughs> Card or Strange New Worlds.
0: Um, if I enjoy the season, then I'll get, then fine. Good
1: answer, good answer. Yes.
0: But I'm I'm once again, no pun intended. I'm just I'm extremely burned right now. Um, Hope Springs Eternal though. Yeah, I I feel like Zuko right now. I want to scream and let out a. So, I think it's going to be Lower Decks, Season 2, Discovery, Season 4, and then Strange New Worlds. Well, actually, you got to put Prodigy in there, The card already too. start
1: before them?
0: you got to put Prodigy somewhere in there, too. So, maybe...
1: That doesn't count. Uh, but I think... I don't mean it doesn't count, but I wonder if it counts for them for their release schedule, right? Like, is that going to... Because it's a different. playing on a different place, right? Nickelodeon, which is obviously still Paramount Plus, but...
0: Oh um, right. Like I don't know yeah, like is that just gonna air sim- is that just gonna simulcast that with the yeah. Yeah. Because um, if they did that,
1: it's always I don't think it's gonna good point. gain the same audience.
0: But I think I think the time that that is upon us is we I mean, I think every show they have announced, I mean the section thirty one show I don't even fucking know, but let's forget about that for a second. I think every show that we are aware of is in some state of production right now. So I think what's ahead is we're gonna see they're all in production simultaneously.
1: Right. So it may even be at the point that they can just get to decide based on what they want to release
0: instead of who finishes. I think we're gonna get a true kind of up up and coming like a true kind of like back to back to back to back. Like, so we're going to be 52 straight weeks of podcasting? I, I You know what? It, yeah, I mean, maybe. And to your point with Prodigy, that's going to be airing on TV, which will probably be airing at the same time one of the shows is on streaming. Um, but if I had to guess the order, I think we're going to see Lower Decks first, then Discovery, then Strange New Worlds, then Picard, and then, but somewhere in there, Prodigy is airing on TV. I just don't know where.
1: Right. If yeah. I had my druthers, if I got to pick, I would want, I would want, um, I would want Strange New Worlds. Yep. Then, um, Lower Decks, then Picard.
0: hmm
1: Then, Lower Decks season three. Then Strange New the World season two, and Picard season three. Yep. Lower Deck season four. <laughs> yep. And so on. No, I'm kidding. And then Discovery
0: yeah. season four somewhere. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, oh, yeah, they could put that on Nickelodeon.
0: <laughs> okay, I, I just want to get this. I just want to get this off our chest before I mention the last news item. Okay. So first of all, great. Like I, I, you know, I'm looking forward to Strange New Worlds the most. I hope it's, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm excited. Love that it's going back to the planet of the week, situation of the week. Very, very happy. Hope it's a great show. Can't wait. We are now two months out from the conclusion of last season of Discovery, right? And I'm going to make a conscious effort going forward to not season 3 into how we were treating season 2, right? So I'm going to, you know, try not to do that. But I just got to say this. I, I want to propose something to you and just get an idea. So mm-hmm. a few weeks ago when Paramount Plus rolled out, I'd actually forgotten that the, that it had rolled out. So I, you know, my CBS app updated and I was like, "Oh right, Paramount Plus, Paramount Plus is up." So I just went to go check it out and, you know, and, you know, just as I thought, the U, the UI looks exactly the same. It's just basically a rebrand at this point. I'm sure a larger redesign will come at some point down the line. Mm-hmm. So I just hit play, and it chooses a random episode of Discovery, which from Season 3.
1: Well, and, is there like a random Star Trek episode feature?
0: I think it was the last episode I watched, like on okay. that TV or something. I don't even know. Because it doesn't say it didn't my history my viewing history is not synced between my devices for some reason Um, even though it should be and the episode I that came up and I watched most of it was the episode about Book and his brother the one that we absolutely hated right Mm -hmm. now here's the thing I was able to kind of get into it because now that the season is over. I was able to sort of leave that baggage at the door, right? I'm not saying I enjoyed the episode. I may have enjoyed it a tiny bit more. And here's what I'm here's what I'm wondering. This is what I want to get your thoughts on. You know, we definitely agreed that there were episodes we did not enjoy at all. How much of that, do you think in our critiquing of not liking them had to do with one of us saying, "I don't feel like we have time to focus on this right now because this is not." Do you know what I mean? I do, but here's the thing. And I know I, I did that. I hate to say it in this way. You did that, and I, I did that. I know I did that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So maybe for you, but for me, it was just what I was seeing. Because mm-hmm. you remember, right? Like I said about um, the mirror episodes, my case was very much like I enjoyed these episodes for you know as episodes.
0: Right. Right.
1: So yeah, I didn't. That didn't get in my way.
0: Yeah. I mean, and it only goes back to my point where I said that the show has no focus, right? Like we kept. So we, I think, were saying the burn was the main plot of the season, and I'm thinking to myself, was it really the main plot of the season, or was it because all the marketing material and the and because it was the first mystery we saw, like. Is that why we consider it the main thrust of the season?
1: Well, I mean, it was this mystery that opened the season and then the mystery that closed the season.
0: Yeah. but
1: It drove a lot of the
0: action in the middle. Right. But I remember, like, I, I mean, personally, I remember getting annoyed when they would get away from it because, arguably, it was the most compelling mystery of the season, right? Yeah. But if it, if it was just one mystery out of, like, because it was a series of unrelated storylines that almost yeah, had nothing I, to do with each other.
1: Which, for me, well, it, wasn't, it wasn't that they weren't solving the burn, really. It was, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was like when they did solve the burn, I didn't like how they did it. It was that there were inconsistent character yeah, development things. Mm-hmm. The, the one I talked about a lot, Michael flip-flopping each episode for no reason to yeah. loving Starfleet to being over Starfleet. Right. Things like that. So I don't think that that bothered me. Or interfered with my enjoyment of it.
0: I think it did for me. But even then, I still think it's a fair criticism. Because you've got me as a viewer like running around, figuratively going all over the place. You're, you're on this very inconsistent journey right now. And because you have seemingly a series of unrelated storylines this there's no sort of focus. There's no drive. The, the show is very unfocused. And that even leads back to me saying posing the question, what the fuck is the show even about? Because they seem to want to tell all these different stories and yet So the analogy not well, the comparison I made to you one time was that you know, this is gonna go back, but you know, the the nineteen eighties medical drama Saint Elsewhere Followed a similar structure that Discovery's trying to do, yet... I mean, St. Elsewhere had more episodes, right? But they were able to juggle multiple storylines just fine. Because there was not a main arc of the season. It was just they would start out with one episode, and this plot would maybe continue into the next one, and the next one, and the next one. Uh. While other plots were also going on simultaneously. So you just had multiple... It was more like you had multiple paralleling stories that occasionally mm-hmm. overlap. It's like with soap opera style. Soap opera style, right. And I mean, is that what Discovery needs to do? Is that what they think they're doing?
1: I don't know what they need to do, but I hope that this will help you to enjoy the season more yeah. if you rewatch it.
0: I, and you know the last thing I'll say is I really resent them trying to ram these emotional moments down our throats. Nobody can yeah. see your face right now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm trying to not make us not. No, I, I just think rehash the season. So. I, no,
0: I, and I'm not gonna rehash the season anymore. But <sighs> okay. I'm. I'll just say this: if I woke up tomorrow, and I saw news that said Star Trek Discovery canceled, I would not be. I hate to say it, I would not be heartbroken because I feel like. Fool me, what do you say? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I I feel fooled twice. So I need to, when season four comes, I'm not going to look at season four cynically. I'm just not going to look at it with too much hope. Right. Because you've said to me, this is what the show is now. You just just accept this is what the show is.
1: And this is what. So after last season, I was very much not as excited about the next season. Right. Yeah, last
0: season.
1: Right. Yeah. So as long as you're doing our little ranty section.
0: <laughs> I was do well. I was I was willing to give the internal behind the scenes strife. Right. And I was. You know, not. the benefit of the doubt, and say, okay, there's none of that in season three, so now they will. But. Yeah. So two things. Yeah.
1: One. Having watched, Wandavision. Yep. And just seeing a tight, well plotted planned show where every little thing is so clearly planned so much so that at a point there's an episode that goes back and shows multiple scenes from different episodes from another character's point of view so that we're filled in on what was actually going on. And it was just a stark, um, Hmm. Minder that shows can, you know, you can plan things out well, you can seed things, you can drop things. And it was an emotional um uh, we had a character in a in a tough emotional state, and we didn't see fully what happened, but they gave us an episode that filled us in on what we had missed on that character and why they were in that state. Sort of what we were expecting to have happen for Michael. We expected we would get that episode of the her year. So right. that we would understand why she was in the state she was in, and we never got it. And so it, it was—I could not help but see the deficiencies in, um, in, discovery from watching that. Uh, and the other thing that's interesting too is that One Division ends, and then it's like, okay, we're giving you a week off, and then we're starting the next show. It's pretty, pretty good in that, um, you know. And I guess Star Trek did do that
0: this time. Are they self-contained, One Division? The episodes? Yeah.
1: The first few are more self-contained, but they hint at the bigger story. So it is a season-long arc. Right. But you. give but given the like, weird
0: format. But you feel like you've watched a beginning, middle, and end. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And we got that in some episodes of Discovery.
1: Yeah. But... I didn't feel that. But on WandaVision whenever something new was revealed about the big, it it was very similar in a lot of ways in that it had a big mystery. And we got a little bit each episode and they all built on each other in like a, a, you know, one on top of the other. And each time we got a little closer, a little closer. And we never had to guess, is this yeah. important? Is this part
0: of that? Because you would tell me, like, it? it's just so refreshing to see a show that actually has a well-thought-out story. And I'm like, I, I'm like, I could get that from watching an episode of Different Strokes and know that they're doing a better job than Discovery is. All right, all right. But that brings us to the other point of us being accused of being haters. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I mean, a hater yeah. is somebody who just ultimately, in my opinion, decides they're going to hate something before they've even seen it. Yes. Or but, you know. But we've we've both got so obviously we do this podcast
1: as you all know you listen to us you love what we do it makes your life worth living we know it so but we also sometimes comment on online yeah and oh God it's it's it's, it's interesting because I'm never going to go online and say, yeah well, I do a podcast so I think about it more than you or anything but I will offer my opinions and the strange thing that I've been encountering is this idea that, well, opinions are subjective, so you can't say anything about the show because that's just your opinion. And it's like, so what, what are we all doing talking about a show if we can't give our opinions? And this particularly, I think our listeners will know that we support things with evidence and at least, you know, we explain why we think what we think. But there is certainly a vibe on some communities of um, just Tell us why it was good, or don't say anything at all. And it's getting frustrating.
0: It feels like there's no, it feels like there's no middle ground anymore. Um, I, I, I mean, I don't. It's not that I mind getting pushback. It, it, it's, it's a. Yes, pushback it's is spiri- fine. when it's
1: like. Yeah. When it's pushback based on well, I, yeah. When it's just.
0: Apologist pushback.
1: Yeah, that's your opinion, and it's dumb, or I don't know.
0: Well, I think, so, like, when we talk about, like, a poorly written episode of Discovery, right, or just the season in general, and how we, because I said to you, like, it's not like the, the season really has plot holes, it's just that things didn't feel like they were set up properly, thus it doesn't feel like there's a payoff in all of this so you know Osira or the emerald chain for example we didn't we didn't buy into their threat because we didn't really they were not something that was set up to be very compelling and then by the time it was compelling it was like too late Mm -hmm. it it wasn't compelling until the story felt it was important so like things didn't feel properly set up right so when i mentioned that kind of stuff on a forum somebody's like well that's good because it was it was a surprise and i'm like but so but is that all your is that all the show should be concerned about is surprising the audience if you surprise the audience does that mean that makes it automatically good tv you didn't see it coming
1: and and that's no The good tv is when you don't see it coming but once you see it you say of
0: course right it's like a light bulb goes off
1: yes that's good tv yeah, like Yeah, I mean, if you want to make it surprising, just just make crazy shit
0: happen constantly. And I think there's just there's too much with that show. I think there's just I feel like they hedge all their bets in the final episode of season, expecting that that episode is going to basically save them from all the mistakes they made. Like an ending doesn't save a shitty show or a shitty movie.
1: Right. Well, yeah. And you know, again i don't want to rehash the season but i just um if you're gonna talk about a show mm. you have to accept that people are gonna make judgments on the show based on what they've seen and that's a normal part of discussing a show it's not hating it's that's how you talk about a show
0: right hating and like to, it you you say that
1: it's yeah it's, it's it's all subjective then you know Okay, then no one can talk about it. Look,
0: I may disagree with people who absolutely love it, but I'm not gonna question why they love it or say, "No, you're wrong." I'm just like, I'm just like, uh, you know, I eventually just get to, it just wasn't for me. I just didn't enjoy it. You know, that's all. That's all I'm saying. I just. And I would never
1: tell someone you, you liked it, but that's subjective. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think we also get, cause I don't like it either when someone will say something like, um, I remember someone, I was in some comment on some article and someone said, so, so, it's like, Oh, I really want to check out Picard. And they're like, don't waste your time. And I was like, all oh, they said. <laughs> so I called the person up for saying, you know, I mean, if someone's interested in something, let them watch it and formulate an opinion. It's a, right. cause that's, don't waste your time. is not a. That's being a hater. Well-thought-out opinion. That's being a hater. It's not I a mean, critique. It's a... Yeah. Pfft,
0: I, I mean, kombucha. I'm... I, uh, I'm still watching the show. I'm not going to not watch it, right? Like, I'm still here. Because I want it to succeed. It's wearing thin with me, don't get me wrong, but...
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm just curious to see what they're going to do next. But, I, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: And... The... Yeah. I think I think that our criticisms are well thought out. And,
0: well, we offer evidence. That's why. Some just hate on it because they want to hate on it. Yeah, on. they're well
1: explained. And, you know, you may not agree with them, but the, I don't think anyone can deny that. Um, they're based in a, a close watching and, and, a, and a, you know, uh, open mind.
0: Well, the last bit of news. So this will be a nice. Palette cleanser for what we were just discussing. So, Nicholas Meyer, who was the director (laughs) of The Wrath of Khan and The Undiscovered Country, um, has apparently been pitching ideas for Star Trek films to Paramount. Um, Which, yes, please. And. For those who may not know, at one point he had an idea, well, Kurtzman came in with an idea for this, but uh, for doing a miniseries set on SETI Alpha 5, all about Khan's time on SETI Alpha 5 between Space Seed and the Wrath of Khan, which we were talking offline before we started recording, which, like, okay. <laughs> yeah, what what do, how does that work what do we even do what are the i mean i think you and i identified the only two major events that occurred in that time frame
1: yeah the death of his wife and the explosion of the planet. right I mean, and maybe maybe the, the, maybe the discovery that those bugs could control people if you have stuck it in their ears that would be another event
0: yeah so i i'm not saying no, I don't want that, but, like, I, it doesn't, it's not something that jumps out at me immediately to be like, oh, that's really fascinating, like, I mean, if mm. they can make it work, awesome. I, I just, it's not something that I, if I was to, like, go into the different corners of the Trek universe and try to see if there's something I could exploit for a story, I wouldn't, that's not some place I would probably ever go. No,
1: it's people stranded on a deserted planet. For a long period of time. Oh, I mean, do they make it like I mean, lost? What if they make
0: it like lost?
1: Right, and certainly no it actually reminds me I'm not when I think about it is the fact that there's going to be an Obi Wan show set while he's on Tatooine. Oh God. <laughs> but
0: crossover, I mean, crossover.
1: It just seems like it's very similar in its people on a desert planet and they're kind of just stuck there for many years. Yeah, but at least he has some
0: contact with. Well, people. because it could. wasn't it wasn't as if in the Wrath of Khan they weren't like alluding to like. Stuff a lot of major events that took place. They it's it's again, his wife dying, Marla McGivers, and the explosion of Seti Alpha Six. Mm-hmm. I mean Oh and then well after the explosion of Seti Alpha Six, you know, it spins them out of orbit and so it changes their orbit so they're not the planets like a you know, yeah. a constant sandstorm of a wasteland. So I mean maybe they were visited by aliens.
1: Maybe there was a fight for like a fight for power or leadership amongst them, but I don't
0: really want to see that. I like the idea of them. I just made it up, but I like the idea of them doing like a version of lost on that planet. Like they arrive on this weird planet and they don't even know like, Oh, there's way more to it. There's way more to it. Yeah. That would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But even then, like, is that a Star Trek show? I want to, but like, okay, we could say that's okay. Like you could say, yeah, that's a cool idea, but it's, how do you, I assume like you want to establish some potential ramifications that lead to the Wrath of Khan, right? Like some, you know, you want to have some kind of, I would think you'd want to have some kind of connective tissue between the two. So it feels like this is the middle part of a story between Space and the Wrath of Khan, but what is that thread? How do you thread that through?
1: Yeah, I think there's I think it's sort of this trend in franchises of looking at a franchise and just identifying like stretches when characters that a lot of people know have name recognition. Yeah. Could have something could have, some story. Right. Whether it's makes sense or not.
0: I mean, I enjoyed Rogue One, but it wasn't a story that I felt like was itching to be told. It was a whole movie out of one line. Of dialogue. Right. And it hope. was the, also, it was the movie where, and it doesn't change my perception of a new hope at all.
1: No, it was just more that, Oh, it has a cool, the MacGuffin is cool. Cause we already heard about it, yeah. but it didn't rely very much more on it.
0: No. Yeah. I mean, we enjoyed it, but it was like, it's like, it's like, it's instantly forgettable after you saw it.
1: Yeah. I think it would be like someone saying, well, we need to see like what broken Palpatine was doing on Exegol all that time, let's make a movie about it. Yeah, Nobody wants to see Palpatine. Well, maybe
0: I would. (laughs) I mean, I'd still watch it, but yeah.
1: Yeah, Do you really want to see Palpatine, trying to clone himself and making Snoke, I mean, someday someone's going to probably try to make it. (laughs) Let's put it that way.
0: But Maya gave an update so that I guess the he was saying that the streaming world has been changing so rapidly that you know i guess now the story is potentially too short so they'd want to maybe expand this over like a course of like 10 episodes or something but again okay was fu- there, fine i don't but, think
1: streaming was ever at the point of that if we were three episode series
0: uh, well cuz it was i think it was originally I mean, treated like a mini series
1: but I hate even then, say, but this is what i think's happening i think maybe, on movies <laughs> maybe kurt's been told them that I just feel like this is a guy who desperately wants to make a Star Trek show and is just trying to get some interest in it, because
0: Mm.
1: you don't make announcements of things that are maybes
0: officially, you know? But, like, that goes back to the movie thing. Why can't that be, like, a made-for-streaming film? So that's interesting, because so that hasn't been anything that has been done with
1: franchises yet. Yeah. Which is interesting. It's been done with, obviously, you know, Amazon has its original films that are not franchises and uh, Netflix that makes films. But, yeah, there has not been a franchise that has made a streaming only film. And I think that could potentially be something that starts to happen.
0: Well, and because you and I were talking that we just feel like, I mean, I do. If like Trek goes to the movie theater, you need to make it, you know accessible to a general audience because you want to make a million billion dollars you don't have that on a streaming service trek fans will watch the shit out of that if it's good over and over and over and over and over again
1: and you know what i don't know that anyone ever said that this discovery writer has been tapped to write a film release Mm. uh, like a theater release film maybe it is for streaming who knows right That would be a yeah. I I I,
0: because I think it's like you think movie and you instantly think, uh, I mean, why wouldn't you going to the movies, right? But we're in this world of complete streaming oversaturation, and I think that. And Paramount is going to want to leverage Trek. I mean, they'd be stupid not to, right? Um. Oh, into cinemas? Just in general, just as, just as their IP, right? Right. Um, I, I think you're going to see a real kind of like ramping up of Trek content, as well as like the way, like kind of the way Disney is doing it with Star Wars. I mean, I don't know if it's to that level, just the idea behind it, like they're just going to keep doing more of it. I mean, Kurtz, they have Trek planned at least through 2027 mapped out to right. at least 20 and, they, and they even have section 31 is once one of these shows ends that's right. going to be the next one it may be in there somewhere <laughs> but so there's more there that we just haven't been made aware of and I think you actually you had said this to me a few weeks back there was something about like some of these could rely on you know the, the it's determined when they would be released like if one show ends
1: that, yeah, that's what they said about section 31 yeah yeah Which, um, you know, but this might be our, what's the word, our um, skepticism lately, but how planned could they be till 2027? Like, I think they have an idea of what shows they want to make. I don't think that's the extent of their plans.
0: Right. Like, I I don't think that they, they may have a slate of different ideas. Yeah. Um, I don't think that it's something that's, you know, it could not be potentially something that's not narratively connected but i yeah you know i don't know if that discovery is shooting season four and five back to back
1: you think that's gonna be it for them i don't know it would make sense to
0: like get it out of the way if that's the end that's a thing i don't know because my mind is still going on the notion of 26 episodes a season well over 100 episodes when the show is done But I got to get that out of my mind. So like, yeah, there's no more syndication, right? Right. But like, but you also have to consider like what you were saying about Section Thirty-One a second ago. If Discovery ends after season five, what show comes in and replaces it? Section Thirty-One. Right. Yeah. Or any of them. Right. I mean, well,
1: according to the what they've said, Section Thirty-One is next.
0: But Picard, for example, I remember seeing something about how that show was at least. Three seasons, right? Let's say, but let's say, for the sake of argument, it only runs three seasons. Um, you gotta replace that show, right? So, maybe they have an idea of when these shows might come to an end and what show succeeds it.
1: Right. It doesn't look like they've, um, they have a good uh, farm system to so use a sports right. analogy. You it's know? probably
0: very vague at this point, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I don't yeah. know that they have things that are ready to go. I mean, as I look at – fused the Star Wars for a comparison. So they they had the Mandalorian, which was – people liked it. So they have a few spinoff shows. But Mandalorian also took elements from the Clone Wars, which people liked. But So they announced, I think, four shows and said that the four shows will culminate in a – like crossover event. I don't know if that's a series or a
0: movie. Oh, so like the way Jessica Jones and
1: yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like a clear plan where everything is sort of spun out of one particular time. Whereas Star Trek, you've got all different times. Yeah. And aside from discovery, they're all kind of based on existing Characters, right. So that's another element. There's only so many existing characters you can do, or
0: there's only so long you can do that before people, I think, well, start to get a little tired of. I don't know the. I don't know the year Prodigy takes place in. Um, it's some post TNG, like because is right. the post Voyager, but I don't know like where <laughs> exactly, right. Yeah. So other than that, you don't have. I think lower decks and Picard are the two shows that probably come closest, but there's probably like a decade of separation between so and I don't, we don't know where section thirty one's going to wind up. so you don't have any of these trek shows, any of them set in the same time frame, right. and so, of course section
1: thirty one could be
0: if it's the time thing, that but who knows yeah, yeah if who it's knows? the time travel thing that we think it is. Um, I, and the thing is, I don't know if that's even the answer for Trek uh i know i remember being a big deal when kirk and picard met but i'm not inch i'm not i mean i'm not itching for like a i hated that i'm not like itching for like a (laughs) captain pike crossover with like picard like
1: it took me a while to watch that film and not just feel like
0: it felt empty this is stupid it was underwhelming
1: like i couldn't watch it for what it was because i just thought the whole idea was stupid yeah so, but now I've been able to watch four while it's not as bad as I thought but I was colored by just thinking I mean, the whole idea
0: was dumb it's um it's good that Trek can expand into different time periods in time so you don't run the risk of the shows running over each other but yeah. I don't I don't itch for these shows to be cro- to cross over with like I don't I'm not you know I, I'll tell you the only crossover like I would love to see right now is if when we get strange new worlds if the, say they do like some minor flashback to the day the enterprise was launched seeing a very old captain archer there to actually see it happen because there's some non-canonical literature that says that he was there for that launch and then he died the next day makes sense um but that's the cap that's when captain april commanded it not pike so yeah but it makes sense he would be there if he's still in starfleet as an admiral right ceremonial you, thing you want and you know him being the captain of the enterprise previously you obviously want to see to but i'm not like i want to see uh archer as well i'm not like itching to have any of these shows come together at any point
1: no i'm not either i mean eh, yeah i mean that's a can like i said it's nice thing it's not easy to do
0: <laughs> no and i think I don't uh, think it would be successful and it's not a radical assumption to assume that when Strange New Worlds comes to an end, you're going to see some gradual transition into what we know is the original series. But that's just, you know, that just makes sense at that point. Yeah. Right.
1: And will they so, continue it as like an original series show? So sort of.
0: I've, I've seen chatter online, like on the boards I post at, of people speculating. Well. If that's going to yeah. end up I'm being sure the a, case. I bet
1: you it's on the table.
0: Yeah, because they've that's, rebooted it
1: in films. They haven't rebooted it. Here's on the thing. Television. They already have Spock. I just
0: feel like. Yes, you're right. I just feel like that's dangerous because
1: danger.
0: Now you're overwriting prime universe content that already exists. But we didn't see their first year together.
1: We didn't. So. We didn't. No. And who knows? You know, we, one year could be three seasons, four seasons. Who know, Who's to say? that one season covers one year of in
0: universe. Yeah, Kirk said it was fi- a five-year mission, right? We weren't we, the show doesn't clarify we're seeing the first 3 years of that mission.
1: Right, and they clearly had known they clearly
0: already knew each other. They weren't just meeting. I mean, the animated series picks up after that. But Yeah. So yeah, you do the before. You, you do the first month. You do the <laughs> first, first month. month, but that could
1: be 7 seasons. Right. <laughs> right. Each show uh, episode is an hour.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you do the first month. The first by month. the time you get to where no man has gone before, they're all they're all they're all <laughs> You do ones. one full day and then the next day up until lunch. So my, what I was saying today on the Trek BBS actually in speculating about Strange New Worlds, I said, you know, we think we know so much about the original series crew, and we do, but there's also an equal amount that we don't know. We don't know when We don't know when Kirk we didn't see Kirk's first day. We didn't see when Scott came aboard. We didn't know we don't know how long McCoy's been there, right? Right.
1: For was all we know Kirk was Kirk an under like did he have a different did he come on at a lower rank? Do we know that?
0: Um all we know is what he says in dialogue in the menagerie when talking about Pike. He says I took over the Enterprise from him when he was promoted to fleet captain.
1: So he could have been on the ship for years before that.
0: I mean possibly. The security um, officer
1: working on his double. I, I'd have
0: to check. Button. I don't know my star dates, but I'd have to check. In but like, you know. But again, who's to say Scotty was not on the engineering team, but you know, like an ensign, like a lower-ranking officer. Why isn't McCoy? What could Doctor Boyce be McCoy's mentor? Right. You know, like stuff, stuff, stuff like that. Yeah. You gradually see the crew come aboard, albeit, again, in lower-ranking positions.
1: Well, if that yeah. happens, then they're definitely going to do a show where they take over.
0: I mean, in I the original, say. in the second pilot where No Man Has Come Before, Sulu's there, but he's not even the navigator. He's a, he's a, he's a botanist. So maybe <laughs> on Pike's show on Stranger Worlds, you see Sulu come <laughs> on he's as a, a botanist. botanist. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Right? I mean, yeah, I mean, we could speculate until, you know...
1: Right. But there's certainly ample opportunity for things like that on this show.
0: That's because that show, I would argue out of all the shows that exist or are going to be existing. That's the one that has is the closest that shows lead. That show is leading into the original series like that. It has the closest ties that's leading. That's setting that show up. Yes. Right. And, I know that they have an attention to detail. I know that they're fans working on these shows. Akiva Goldsman is a huge fan of the original series. Don't tell me he's not going to somehow align those two shows right. as Strange New Worlds develops.
1: And we know Michael Chabon is a huge fan of the original series for yeah. this new Yorker piece. Yeah. Yeah. So If they give him the rebooted original crew, I'd be happy.
0: And Akiva. If they give I, both would of them, both I
1: would of trust them. that. I would trust that.
0: Ride. Throw some Kirsten Beyer in there, too, and you got a good team.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't think we're ever going to see anything from Nicholas Meyer. That's my
0: prediction. I'm open to it, but, again, yeah, I, I don't... I, I don't... I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I really can't say.
1: I'd be surprised.
0: Uh, anything else you want to mention before we wrap? That'll do it. That'll do it? Well... I don't know when we'll, I don't know when we'll, when we'll be back.
1: Well, we will be back with our our season three of Discovery that is still happening at some point. We're, yeah, we're plugging away at it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's see. Okay, well, hold on. I'm checking on Nicholas Meyer right now. So he's 75, and you know I'm not an ageist. That's fine. <laughs> um. <laughs> let's see what has he done lately. Let's check it out here. Writer and consulting producer of
0: one episode of Discovery. Hmm. He was actually attached the first season of the show. Okay. Yeah. Um.
1: I guess he's done a few things. An Italian show about House of Medici, a Houdini TV show.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Something nothing here to say one way or the other. At least he's not working on trashy ABC shows, right?
1: Not that I can see.
0: <laughs> yeah, which is what you like to say. Alright. Yeah, no, he's not um, too. So, yep. I would say just tweet us at Star Trek We Trust and if you have anything you want to say you can email us at instartrekwetrust at gmail.com and we'll be back at some point. Later, skaters. Peace out.